Hello and welcome back listeners to the TWT FM podcast. We are joined on the sofa now by Will Strong, director of the Think Tank Autonomy, who has just gone through a rigorous question and answer session. How are you feeling, Will? I feel good. I feel actually it's been an exhausting four days, but I actually feel like um, still kind of revved up because of the, I'm, I'm buzzing. It's been great. How awesome. Tell us about what you've been up to. Tell us about the panels you've been on, what you've been working on, what's Autonomy do, been doing? So, um, we've had three sessions. Uh, on Saturday, we ran a, our first session was on tech and the workplace and the future of workers. Um, looking at kind of, you know, how tech is, is imbricated in our workplace relations. That was very good. So I wasn't actually chairing that one, but I was kind of in the room seeing how our, our panel and our groups were doing. Um, we've been we've we've got our new economy starter pack, which is a booklet we produce specially for the festival, um, sponsored by the Communication Workers Union, which is basically a kind of um, we call it a starter pack. It's basically a like a series of ten articles about you know kind of an eight eight hundred words, normal article length, on one idea each. So we're talking about you know a, an article on basic income, an article on. Um, shorter working weeks, an article on, on commuting policy, and it's basically the, kind of the best and brightest economic thinkers, what we think in the UK, are kind of hot picks. So we've been distributing that. We've we've we have we've they've all gone now, and we've handed out every single one a thousand copies. So that's been a real wow. success. People have been really like, oh, can I get one of those? And that's been really nice because often if you go to festivals and hand out pamphlets, everyone's like, please leave me alone. <laughs> we actually got a, a very signed a signed one from Julian, didn't we? Who also works for Autonomy, who delivered it personally on the interview earlier. And guys, make sure you go check out that interview. On the, purple uh, cushion. on the uh, SoundCloud, that was fantastic. Good, yeah, good. Julian's, Julian's done good. Yeah. So apart from, yeah, he told us all about his pamphleteering. So apart from the the, uh, the pamphlet, which sounds fascinating, laying out um, some of the ideas that you've been having at Autonomy, tell us about the specific sessions that you've been running. So aside from the workplace one I just mentioned, yeah. we did two others. So we had, I've just come out of the uh, UBI debate. So it's this big UBI debate, which was the idea was we'd have... Um, I give a lot of time to speakers, two, two speakers on either side of the debate. Should we have a basic income or is it a wrong turn? Um, basic income being um, uh, one of these new economic ideas people are really kind of th- th- talking about and, and it's very controversial. Um, actually went really, really well. So we had, we had a, bit, a whole hour of, of debate. It was very comradely. People were, were in, in a, in very much in agreement on certain issues, but very good at defending their position on others. Um, and then we had half an hour of, of, of chat afterwards, and I think it was it was probably my favourite of, of the sessions actually. And the other session we 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 just finished this morning was on the four day week. Mm. Obviously, the four day week is uh, getting a lot of attention at the moment, which is which is great because we we like to think we're one of the organisations kind of pioneering that idea again. It's an old idea, but we're really the ones pushing it. And so that was a, again quite a, actually in this case it was a participatory session. So actually that was. Mm. Um, it's a lot of fun, and a lot of people are revved up for for four day week uh, in the near future. Four four day weeks autonomy is sort of bread and butter, <laughs> isn't it? It's sort of um, the yeah, the focus on time and that way of viewing mm. the workplace. I was just to sort of reflect back on that pamphlet, and um, yeah, because it used to be quite often said that economists didn't really look at work. They it was mm. a weird sort of blind spot, considering that most of us do it for sort of 40 hours a week mm-hmm. or whatever. Autonomy is making work sexy. I mean, yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I've heard. Do you think that's that's changed now? There does seem to be quite a few people writing about it. Mm. I think the thing about work is that it, it's, it's, al- it's like political all the way down. Mm-hmm. And so often, if economists w- have been like that in the past, it's because econo- you know economics has often tried to be seen as a kind of science. And if you try and make a science out of something, then you try and make it sterile, and you try and strip away the controversial aspects yeah. of it. So if you start talking about work, you're either a social theorist or a sociologist or a political theorist. 
but of course you're right like that's you know how does the world turn you know how does the world happen how does industry happen it's through through work and particularly yeah. through employment that's the nature of capitalist societies so i think that's changing but that's because i think certain i think economists and policy policy organizations realize that actually we have to stop talking about this and then the reason why that is, is because it cuts right to the heart of our everyday experience yeah. work affects you whether you have it or not mm. particularly if you don't have it right yeah. because we live in a society where if you don't have work you can't really you can't really survive to a level which we think is acceptable unless you depend on someone else which isn't great either so so i think the reason you kind of touched on a really good point there that actually has been ignored for a very very kind of shady reasons it should definitely mm. be talked about and I think you're probably right I mean we like to think we're we are talking about more but it, it, it's it's a it's a it's it's a it was a huge blind spot because actually it's it's the thing which moves people yeah. as a thing which actually if you can promise a, a future of work that they like and which is desirable then actually you've got you've got some political power yeah I'd like to ask you a bit more about this because I've done a lot of um, research on this sort of area over the last couple of years um, and obviously, you know, we've just had the, the conference pass, sorry, the motion pass at the Labour conference on the reduction of uh, work to 32 hours a week by mm -hmm. 2030, I think mm -hmm. it was. Um, and obviously, you know, a lot of people, when they talk about the subject, they refer back to Keynes in the 1930s mm -hmm. and they say, you know, he, he said in 100 years we'll be working 15 hour working weeks. Um, and so, you know, do you think that this motion that's just passed at Labour conference demonstrates a shift in the zeitgeist you know of this to starting to believe that this is now a possible future and on mm. top of like, now building mm. past this do you actually think that you know you're running a four-day working week campaign at the moment trying to promote that idea do you think it's going to be possible to go further than that in the future it's a great question there's a few things in there so i think on the, w on the one hand keynes is a good good um kind of anecdote to bring up really because obviously keynes was absolutely right that with every productivity game we could work less because we're still making the same amount of stuff in, in less time therefore we can have more time for ourselves but the reason why he's a good anecdote is because Keynes misunderstood that actually how working time has been reduced in the past is through struggle mm -hmm. and that means st a strong worker voice in the workplace and so what he I guess I didn't anticipate was that he, he, kind of, he kind of saw a quasi but not really it's unfair to say it but kind of it's almost a quasi determination of like look how well capitalism's done working mm -hmm. times kind of reduced with it it'll probably continue and by 2030 we should have 15 hour working weeks so it's a, it's a good anecdote precisely for how Keynes fails because actually as we're seeing now to actually get reductions in working time we actually need to have a political program that supports it the kind of radical and robust policy that's going to be backing it up and also s workers campaigning in mm -hmm. their workplaces so that's the first point is that I think actually um, the, 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 this this recent uh, the current wave of, of interest in this actually is revealing that actually we need to have um, it's going to be a bit of a struggle basically second point w would be um, that yes I think it, it will this you know working time should be and can be reduced in the future but I think the pressure needs to you know, the pressure still needs to be maintained on employers on the business community but also you know for on, on unions to be campaigning for this um, I guess I would say, would you see, would you see sort of like a, a snowball effect that once people start talking about work mm. and start to think, oh, we're, like it's not just about high wages, we can actually win less working time. Yeah. Once yeah, yeah. that happens, once that clicks, then you know that could maybe go further and further and further. Yes, sorry, yes, this is exactly, yeah, I 100% I agree. And I think actually the announcement, first of all, the fact that this motion passed the conference, but also the announcement from John McDonald mm. that this is this is going to be a, a 10 year project, yeah. is kind of like the firing shot for everyday people in a really, really interesting way that actually in just a day, mm. when I'm thinking about the four day week or shorter working week, I'm like, 
I feel a bit like, oh no, but they said it's gonna, you know, it's kind of like yeah. when different levels of, of, when different actors s start saying it, you start, you start with a campaign, you start with a think tank saying this is why we should do it, fine, we heard about Kane saying it, but when you have people in positions of power who, who want to actually implement this and suddenly um, people can have the reassurance and not the kind of reticence mm. to actually start being like, yeah. yeah, okay, so how is this, I think we're gonna do it, right? You know, and that also means that after 10 years when you don't, when it, if it doesn't happen, or if you're behind schedule, then people are like, wait, I thought we were gonna do this, this yeah, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, weird yeah. thing. Like, yeah. the, it, it creates a cleavage, which actually there's, that's a political opening to be like, no, like that was definitely gonna happen. I, I, I put it in my diary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thing, you know? yeah. So it, I think that's really important. It's kind of strange, isn't it, to think about uh, the shift that we've had just in a few short years, because mm. if you remember the sort of rhetoric of the coalition government was all about work and it was like, getting everyone into work, you know, work shy people and things like that. It was and they completely still, and the, central. The Tory rhetoric is still, oh, we've got the lowest unemployment sure, you know, yeah, in, in X, Y, Z, and they don't look at the types of work, do they? And, and True, but I get the sense that, like, this rhetoric, and uh, it was very powerful as well, you know, you, you saw sort of shifts in attitudes and people were mm. more judgmental about people who weren't in work for whatever mm. reason. Um, and then now we've got to the point where we're like, Actually, no one likes work. It's almost like the emperor's new clothes kind of thing. Well, that's and then that's exactly right. I think that's a good metaphor to use because obviously, what all that rhetoric, which you know, actually was really intensified in the New Labour years. I mean, yes, the Kurdish government really just yeah. continued. I mean, like, and again, you know, New Labour also inherited actually. It's right at the end of the Tory government before New Labour. It was, it was actually Portillo who actually invented J, uh, JSA, Job Seekers Allowance. Right. I'm not saying that's like at the starting point, but there's like a, there's an intensification. New mm. Labour really plays part. All that rhetoric lies relies on a a version of the work ethic, which is itself irrational. It's based on a, on, a, on a religious idea, but then once made secular, was actually even more rational because you haven't mm. even got God to justify yeah. it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like it's, like it's work as its own justification, which is like literally almost the definition of being insane. Mm. It's based on a certain kind of work ethic, which is in which has always been mobilised against mm. the idle, the workless, the yeah. The, the lazy, you know, these are these are the names that are used uh, off the back of a kind of work ethic. And so the thing is, they can rely on that because it's a kind of a certain kind of common sense, and they can keep hammering away. And be, the resistance, the reason why it hasn't been totally to success, successful, has is because people actually, it's work is ambiguous in people's lives. It's also mm. it's, it's their biggest burden, but also they also have a belief that actually it does me, it, it gives them it, there is some kind of purpose, etc. Yeah. Okay. The reason why it's the Emperor's New Clothes moment, as you say, which is a really good metaphor, is that actually as soon as someone says, yeah, wait a second, like most work's really bad. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. actually, wait, like oh, I haven't really had a good job. I'm lucky enough to, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have one good job or I've really never had a good job or actually work, I work so I can go out on the weekend. As soon as you start pushing back in like, yeah. if you start pegging it in the opposite direction enough, mm -hmm. even just like start with stabs in the dark where it might say, well, no, that seems mental, you know. It, Actually, suddenly the, em the, the emperor's clothes do disappear, mm -hmm. and it's a bit like, oh wait, we've just been like, this has been like yeah, the yeah. hot air about yeah, this. Yeah. And, and, and suddenly, Ian Duncan Smith is naked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ian <laughs> Smith is, you know, totally nude. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to end on that point, but let's move past that swiftly and talk about um, uh, the UBI debate that you just had. And obviously, four-day working week is something that's really popular in the mainstream now. UBI got a lot of traction but maybe not quite you know in policy terms not quite there yet um you just came you literally just said you came from the debates um just now and mm -hmm. there was consensus what was that consensus so the consensus from which these which i'm really glad is started to become you know has solidified is that the social security system we live 
we we li- we live either within or, or or you know we live in society in which the, the social security system we have is basically not fit for purpose basically. Yeah. And so I think like that consensus came came very early on in the session. And that but that's the that's the conversation we should have when we talk about basic income, right? Yeah. We shouldn't be talking about basic income as if I you know we shouldn't be necessarily framing it in terms of like, like an entrepreneurial fund, or we shouldn't be saying I don't think we should even necessarily say it's because of um, the mass joblessness that we're going to have. I think the, the the strongest argument for me is that with basic income, it's the first opportunity we're seems like a real possibility that we can end a system that's been going since the poor laws in like the 16th century, where poverty relief has never been about poverty relief. It's about maintaining the poor in poverty mm-hmm. and punishing idleness. Mm. And so we've had that since the 16th century where you could be branded on the ear if you're just if you're being idle in the countryside. You'd yeah. be put in a workhouse in the 19th century. You'd have job exchange, labor exchanges and job the job center, universal credit. It's all one continuous. Um, it's gotten better and lighter. There's no, like, it's not slavery anymore, for example, mm-hmm. or like branding. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, the punitive work sanctions of universal credit following exactly what we've just been talking about follow a kind of work ethic which is basically said if you're not if you're not in work if you're not working that basically means employment um you deserve to be punished and you're you're kind of a wrongman and basically with basic income this you'd have if you have a social security net based on, a, on an unconditional income even at modest levels even at the same levels that you can get jsa at the moment you're basically saying to people you deserve to exist to a certain degree without us interfering in your life you don't have to sign on you don't so that's for me is the biggest the big, yeah. biggest argument for it. And actually, I'm glad that the UBI mm. debate we just had, um, involving welfare activists and welfare advisors, and then advisors of John McDonald, Guy Standing, and Aaron Bastani, a kind of a futurist, you know, who's, who's inter- interested in future ideas. The consensus was social security is broken, um, and we need to f- we need to find an alternative. Now, for me, and I think actually just my perception of the debate, I think the the balls in 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 the court of those against basic income. Because basic income's like, look, we're, we're gonna. This is what we want to do. If you agree it's broken, show me a punitive, a, a, a non-punitive social security system, yeah. which which doesn't sanction people. Uh, tell me if it hasn't got conditions, and there is like a, a quasi universality. There might be, you know, it might be a certain residency period you have to be in the country for. Then it sounds a lot like a basic income. And if you don't want a basic income, then tell me how you're gonna have a non-punitive one. So yeah. that's 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 obviously that's my opinion of how of of how I think basic income debate should go and I think it and think it did go. So if so if Labour last question, if Labour uh, second to last question. Second, sorry Tim. <laughs> if Labour come into power and come into government, um, are you very hopeful that they will adopt some of these ideas that autonomy's been coming up with about universal basic income? You know, when we're at TWT next year, the year after, will we be seeing motions tabled on this topic? I like I'd like I'd like that to happen, yes. Because I think remember life outside of work and all the things I've just been talking about, making life outside of work awful for people as, as a state project, that, that's integral to the work-centered society that we have, right? And so if you, if you have a society where being outside of work is, is actually better, if it's like more comfortable, where you can take risks, where you can think about your life without having to constantly find the next whatever job, then, then, then life inside wage, labor, and employment's better, right? So I think actually you can't think about work without thinking about non-work, right? So, I, so yes, I think like basic income um, is something which autonomy is 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 doing re- research on, and uh, we will continue continue to to pursue it. But actually, we we're not nece- necessary really. The the, the 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 movement itself is 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 growing faster than anything else. That's why we put our attention on the shorter working week because basic mm-hmm. income actually is flying. Okay. So the thing is, but I think you're right. It needs pushing over the edge because people are reticent. I think I do think behind a lot of the criticisms of basic incomes, people just think you should get paid for work. And you shouldn't get an income if you haven't done 
the work for it, right? And you gotta think, well look, people own property, they do no work, they just get rent, right? So renters get money for that. If you're inheritance, you just get money because your parents or your grandparents, probably like your, you know, the richest of the rich get it because they're great grandparents. So like there's, there's something which the common sense is changing, but yes, I think a basic income would, would, would constitute a cultural shift and it would end the punitive system, which basically keeps people in crap work and have and having really really um, deprived lives. Great. Well, just finally, and to like return to the sort of four day week thing, I I think it was uh, David Graeber who said that like the you could characterize the sort of socialist trade unions because they always demanded more money. Uh, and then the sort of more sort of anarchist movements tended to demand more time uh, for the workers. Um, like, I mean, firstly, would you agree with that characterization sort of historically? And then if so, what do you think it is about this sort of present moment materially that means that we're getting some sort of convergence yeah. here? Uh, that the sort of socialist movement, the labor movement, is inexorably seemingly moving towards demanding a shorter working week? So I am not a labor historian in even even to the extent that David Graeber is one. So I can't actually comment on whether I would say that you can probably put trade unions into two camps. I think my understanding, the research I have done on the history of, of unions would be that Actually, if you think, but if you look back at the you know, early 20th century, late 19th century, you know, Australian stonemasons won the eight-hour day. American unions won the weekend, more or less, forcing Henry Ford to actually kind of be like, "Oh no, we should probably adopt that because, like, basically, you know, this discontent is going to not abate until we start giving back." You know, and, you know, I think, and the huge high Park demonstrations in London, in the early teens, 19s, um, kind of demonstrate that actually working time has always been central to a variety of unions. Um, and I think that that's, you know, it's even in Marx's capital, right? That actually the 10-hour day was won. So I think, I can't speak to whether actually there was, there was a sharp division between money or, or, or time. Um, remember that most, of, obviously, we, every time you demand more time, you're saying no loss in pay. So effectively, it's more money per hour anyway. Mm. Um, but I think at the moment, I think, you know, there's a reason why, you know, CWU are campaigning for shorter working hours is because we live at a particular... A new, a new set of technologies are coming to the marketplace, coming into into um, a new set of tracking devices, new sets of speed up technologies are coming into different workplaces, um, and unions are identifying them as like just literally just making lives worse for their workers, and it can come down to small details, can't it? That actually, why is one union who's seeing this happen? They're just like, you know what? This is a, this is about time. Let's let's make the time demand, hmm. um, and I, I'm sure there'll be a set of ideologies going into decision makers there, but I think I think. Uh, well, we see more and more of this actually when you have uh, basically data extract data extractive technologies in the workplace monitoring things like that and that will happen more and more unions will want something back and when work speed up happens traditionally unions have also been like well we should have the gains of this productivity the reason why we haven't over the last 40 years because unions have been neutered they've been the trade the trade union acts successive trade union acts have made their, their power like they've basically put on the back foot and so radical demands for shorter working hours have seemed as far as i can tell out of reach almost um, as soon as you have a, a radical labor party in the uk as soon as you have social movements who are pushing for radical utopian ideas then it gives confidence to workers and and their organized leaders fascinating stuff so shall we do a quick plug where can people go find more of this research autonomy website autonomy events yeah so we have um 
we have a website called autonomy.work. We also have an event this weekend. I don't know if this podcast is going to be out before then. <laughs> um, uh, the post-work conference happening in London. We will be having events next year in 2020. We'll be back here next time at TWT. We have a podcast. And we're on to our fourth episode now. Um, we have a mail out, so join the, the, join the mailing list, uh, keep up to date, and we'll um, keep pushing away at a shorter working week. You're welcome. Will Strong, director of the Autonomy Think Tank, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Cheers. Cheers.